the question is, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done? I would say getting sober is that thing. <laughs> Cause it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's still a struggle, especially now. Um, I've been sober for five years and I didn't think that my, like my, I guess itch to jump back into that addiction would ever come up again. But the global anxiety is just so intense and it's like, it, it kind of comes up. This week we had an awesome guest and if I was gonna sum it up, you know, I'm just gonna read right from her website. Stormy, seductive, blues rock thunder with riffs for miles. Emily Wolf joined us today. Yeah, she's a Austin rocker and she does rock and we were actually gifted uh, a COVID Zoom concert for three because, you know, I got to count John, our our, uh, our producer here. And um, look, Emily, you know, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, like if, if Emily Wolf 2.0 could go back and talk to Emily Wolf 1.0, she shared what advice she would give herself through her own journey. I don't know, Ryan, if you want to share a little bit of what she shared yeah i mean she she told us about her journey to sobriety and um the path to get there the fear that came along with making that choice and you know was she going to be as creative coming out the other side but it was something that she had to do for herself she she told us she didn't even think she should be here anymore right so tremendous story of courage just super authentic person and uh she came out the other side launching Out of Blues, the song that she actually plays for us, and was a resounding success. So just really interesting to see the before and after story. And she did sort of serve up if her if her life was a movie, who she wanted to play her. So we'll cover that. And of course, you're gonna get a chance to meet Big H, who she met at the age of five. Who's Big H? Listen up and enjoy the podcast. All right, Emily, welcome to the Courageous Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for racing back from your other job. Did, yeah. that, did you race back from other jobs today or were you home? <clears throat> I'm off today. I'm off today and Friday. So, uh, I read somewhere that you're, well, let's do this proper. Okay. Okay. So we're here with Emily Wolf, who's a freaking rock star. And I, I mean, I know that's literally. She doesn't like that out. You could tell she did the whole. <laughs> I mean, I like it. I just, it, I get embarrassed. I don't know. <laughs> and again, I, I feel that I could confidently say it that way because I, I, I got a chance to meet the real you through our friends at Gibson and Epiphone and just spend time with you. And it was easy. It was like just jamming and chilling and you're, this is who you are, which I love. And I kind of think, ah, this is who I am. So, yeah. And uh, so I'm grateful for your time. Where we where we're different was the minute you stepped on that stage. I was like, "Where did that like Where did that sound come from?" And <laughs> I cannot, I can't, I can't do that. Like, wow! And, and it came from somewhere else. Like, how long have you been playing? And like, if you had to sort of sum up your sound, how do you describe it? Well, I've been playing since, man seems like forever. I was, I started when I was like five 
And then I just, I guess, spent, I'm 29 now, so I guess I spent all that time <laughs> developing my own sound. Um, I guess, I guess it's like, I mean, hopefully a cross between Stevie Ray Vaughan, Janis Joplin, and Queens of the Stone Age. I don't know. <laughs> hopefully. That's what I'm going for, at least. Uh, I think it's fairly unique. Uh, and, and, but so you're five. Like, you're five years old. Did, did you just happen to pick up a guitar? Did someone put it in your hands? How did that happen? No, it was weird. Um, all I remember was shopping at, like, it was either a Walmart or, like, a thrift store or something like that. And I, we went down this aisle, my sister and my mom and I, and I just saw actually this harmony guitar that's right there in the corner um, here. I mean, it's a podcast, so I don't know if it matters at the moment. Do yeah, it. Show no, it to us. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw this harmony guitar and I fell in wow. love with it. And I just, I don't know. It's just something about it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's yeah, and then ever since then, I just kind of started playing and trying to learn stuff myself, and got like different guitars and stuff growing up, and yeah, it's just that was the guitar that set it off. Do you, so that's pretty cool that you still have it. Do you do you ever play it? I wish it is just so so. Can I can I curse on this? Probably not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's super shitty and it's like kind of impossible to play. But and it it's been in a like a garage for so long that it's totally warped and there's like no way to fix it. So it's just kind of a shadow box thing at the moment. But hopefully one day I'll get it to a luthier. But yeah, does it have a name? No, I guess just Harmony. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't name it because I've named every other guitar I have. Can we name it today? Oh, so Harmony, is that it? I guess so. Harmony. Can I call it H? Yeah, Big H. Big H? <laughs> uh, so my question about like this whole, like, when did you first get on a stage and play, um, you know, Mayor quoting here for those listening, when did you play live, like to a live audience for the first time? Well, that was when I was in early, early days of high school. I was a drummer in a church band and I, I hated church. I'm not religious. It is like, not for me, but my parents went and the band was like so cool to me because they were playing live and I'd never seen that before. And so... I auditioned to be the drummer and that was my first kind of I guess live show was as a drummer for Jesus but <laughs> but uh that was the name of the band drummers for Jesus I wish be way cooler I forgot what it was called I think it was called like common ground or some bullshit like that but I don't know <laughs> um today do you have like a, a best part of playing live and maybe this is a nostalgic question since now all all playing live is through a screen yeah. God, I miss playing live so much. It's like such a release for me. So it kind of feels like my blood is on fire not being able to do that anymore. But um, hopefully it'll be back one day. I'm sure it will. But but, is, there, is there like a favorite part of it for you? 
Yeah. The, I think my favorite part is, well, so I front a three piece. So it's like my name is my project. And then I play <clears throat> with a bass player and a drummer. And the best parts are when we kind of read each other's minds. And like, for instance, there was this one show at like Stubbs in Austin. And just we were playing Out of Blues, that song that, I played on the Epiphone campaign and uh, there was this like jam part and then we all just stopped for like one beat and it was silent and it was not planned. It was like the coolest feeling in the world. It was so cool. It's crazy. I love that song, by the way. So we're going to come Thanks. back to that in a little bit. Thanks. What, what so, are you doing? Sorry, go ahead, Vern. No, go for it, right? I was just going to ask, what, what are you doing for an outlet right now if you're not able to play live? I mean... Obviously, you're playing still, right? Yeah, still playing. I'm just writing a lot. Um, mm. Writing and then learning a lot about, I guess, recording. I mean, I've, I know how to do it. Like, I'm, I'm okay at it. But I guess with all this time on my hands, I just got to go dive deep into some kind of hobby. So I've been, like, recording and writing and just kind of trying to make things better, you know? Is the writing process any different right now? Yeah, I take a lot more time with lyrics because <laughs> I have all this time. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit different in that that way. It's, I guess, I just i I have to get into a headspace where I'm not afraid to make a mistake. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I guess before this pandemic, I felt like super rushed to just put music out and write music, even if it wasn't the absolute best it could be. And so now, like having, I guess there's no rush really for anything because nobody knows what the next move is. Mm. Um, I'm just kind of like every single word uh, in in the lyrics of a song like it's gotta like really rip you know and I had that mentality before but it just wasn't as intense as it is now you know your uh your career and your writing and I guess your music has gone through an evolution so can you just tell us about that evolution from kind of where you started at five and the different ups and downs and just what that journey was like till till now and how your writing style has changed and maybe how your sound has evolved. Yeah. That's a big, a big journey. <laughs> um, yeah. So I started, I didn't really start writing my own music until like, I guess mid high school was when things just kind of started to pop off. Cause I was, I guess feeling that teenage angst or whatever that everybody goes through. So I had to write some stuff. And um, I grew up listening to my parents' music and my sister's music, which is, you know, my dad was like classic rock guy. My mom was a Motown gal. And then my sister was just like straight up dashboard confessional band. <laughs> so mm. <laughs> it was like, that was what I was exposed to. And that's kind of how I started writing is just, okay, how does, how does dashboard confessional write lyrics? 
how does Motown write hooks? How does classic rock do a guitar line, you know? And ever since then, that's kind of like, that was the, the foundation of, of my writing. Um, yeah, and then in college, I started like a little band with my roommate and it didn't really, I mean, nothing really happened with it. It was just kind of a cool college band, um, quote unquote. And then senior year of college, that's when I released my first like acoustic record. But I only played acoustic because I was living in an apartment and it was really like people would get pissed at me if I was turning up loud amps and stuff. So that's why I was acoustic. And then a couple of years down the road, I bought an electric, an Epiphone electric and pedals and amps and like everything kind of fell into place. And electric guitar is just so much more me than acoustic is, I think, because it's just anything that like is electric that uh, induces like a creative mindset to me is just so fascinating. So that's kind of why electric guitar is my favorite. Um, I hope I'm answering the question. I feel like I'm rambling on. <laughs> oh, you're all good. No, no, you're good. It's funny. I was, I, uh, you know, we want to make sure we're prepared to, for this chat and I had actually found some video of you with your band in 2012. Oh God. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Let's play it now. Let's play it. Now. No way. Oh I'm my kidding. God. It's all good. It's all Holy good. Shit. Uh, but you're, you're like on a park bench in Austin. Oh God. Oh yes. Yeah. That's the one. And, um, and you can just sort of see then that you wanted to do something, but we were clearly near, the beginning of the journey. Yeah, you know, for so sure. How, how's the journey gone? Like, has it gone? I guess the better question is, is it, is it what you thought it would be? No, not at all. <laughs> um, the journey, there's like so many different, I guess, streams of the journey. There's the creative journey. There's the business journey, the emotional journey, the, um, there's just, you know, the physical journey. It's just like every kind of thing you can think of just rolled into one. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I thought it would be <clears throat> my naive brain back on that like park bench in 2012 was like, give me a couple years. I'll be at the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just like dying laughing that I even thought that. Cause it's like, that's just not, how it goes it's every single day is um a stepping stone and for the longest time I just thought that it would be okay that I got a one big break and it's gonna skyrocket me to the top but that doesn't exist is what I've learned there's no one thing that's gonna make or break your career because everything is just such a small building block and for me like I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I feel like the quicker you rise, the quicker you fall. And mm. so as, as, as much patience as it takes um, to get to the next level, it's, you know, it's, there's just no way that there's an easy 
like an easy path for for music or really any career if you want to like keep it a longevity you know longevity and then let it you know i don't know it's yeah it's wild dude well Um, it resonates it resonates with me you know i i feel like uh very similar to that like my life mantra is patiently relentless yeah i'm (laughs) i'm going somewhere and i'm you know i've got just a few years on you, you know, and I'm good. And I still don't, I still don't feel like I'm fully at the level that I, I want to be at. I mean, I love what I do. I'm, there's passion in the journey, but I don't feel like I'm there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with where I'm at, you know? Yeah. So that it really does connect with me. Um, I mean, look, this is a podcast about the realities of courage, right? So, maybe this is courageous for me to even ask, but like, I mean, I know these, these are your words on mine. I know you've said with some of the, some of your journey, right. It's pretty mind blowing that I'm still here. Yeah. Can you share what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, I was probably talking about my sobriety. Um, that was, that's one of the physical and emotional parts of this journey. Um, for me at least, and a lot of other artists and musicians. Uh, I just, I had an addiction to alcohol for a couple of years and it was really bad. And I think, you know, if the question is what's the most courageous thing you've ever done, I would say getting sober is that thing. (laughs) Cause it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's still a struggle, especially now. Um, I've been sober for five years and I didn't think that my, like my, I guess, itch to jump back into that addiction would ever come up again. But the global anxiety is just so intense and it's like, it, it kind of comes up, you know, but it's one of those things. It's like, am I going to keep going or am I going to, throw away all the work I already did. So, you know, obviously it's just going to keep going, but yeah, it's kind of mind blowing though that I am still here just because it was such an intense, um, health issue for me. Um, I went to rehab and I got a whole, like, it was just like a couple weeks in the hospital, you know, I kept ending up in the emergency room and it was, it was, it took a, big toll on my family and my friends and uh yeah that's that's why though I mean I I probably shouldn't have made it to be honest because it was so bad but yeah I'm here and it's I'm I'm chugging along so (laughs) you you said something interesting you said global anxiety I think everyone's feeling that right now you know, some sense of anxiety or fear. And, and sometimes, you know, courage is about facing your fears. And obviously you did that and made it through it. But how do you manage, you know, just the kind of ongoing headspace that you have to deal with, the self-talk, all of that, that goes through your head on a regular basis? Yeah. You know, I just have to fill that, the void that I feel, feel with something else. Um, Cause it, and it also depends on perspective. Like for instance, like yesterday I had kind of a, kind of a rough day in terms of 
like staying sober and you know I didn't come close to relapse by any means but I was just thinking in my mind like man I'm tired of fighting this like I'm tired of having to fight something and then I talked to a couple of my friends about it and they were like man like don't view this as a fight like it's not like you have to spend your brain you have to look at it in a different light and you know it's a one day at a time thing it's not this lifelong burden that you have to fight and it's such a huge lift like um so i have to kind of flip a switch in my brain um or fill fill the fill that you know headspace with something different like going on a run or a jog or um playing music or you know anything really just watching tv and focusing really hard on something in the show or or something like that and yeah eventually how, how, how has that influenced your music and your writing style it's it's influenced it quite a bit um i think for the better just because it's like again like lyrics become more intense and i think more relatable as well um but yeah i don't know there's just like i feel like when i write it's it's really intense but now with everything going on it's it's i don't even know the word i don't even know it's it's even more intense i guess do you feel like um the writing is your remedy or is playing your remedy which which one or is it both Oh man, I think playing is more my remedy just because it's like, I can just get lost in it so easily. You know, I'll, I'll put like a beat down on my computer and then like a baseline and then just play guitar over it for hours, you know? And then almost like, <laughs> like last night I almost fell asleep doing it. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm almost falling asleep playing guitar. This is insane, but I'm just obsessed with it. Some of it makes sense, right? I mean, you've been playing since you were five, right? So you know, how, you, know, you know how to do that. But like, like you said, you're, the, the story, the, the writing has been a little bit more of a newer, a newer win. Um, I think I read somewhere that coming out of rehab, you were sort of worried about writing sober. Like there was this creative flow concern. And as a creative, I... I feel you. You want to talk a little bit about your what that speed bump was like? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had this fear that the only thing, like I, <laughs> I hope I'm not getting too deep on you here. Um, but I just had this, like you know, that kind of fear that's like, oh, am I a fraud if I don't have a drink to write? If that makes sense. Like, um, is, are my lyrics important enough if they're not from a place where I feel completely drunk and free, you know, um, are they too rigid if I'm not drunk to write? Like, I don't know. I, but I think, I think I just kind of slowly started to realize that I was afraid to write because, you know, I was just obsessed with drinking and like without it it's like having a, a crutch and I was 
afraid to let go and feel emotions that I actually felt without it because there's like a little bit of emotional lubrication with that stuff. And without it, it's like just raw and it's terrifying. So that was where my fear came from. And then I think I just, I just kind of, Out of Blues was actually the first song I wrote sober. And after I finished it, I was like, okay, well, there's only like two verses and sort of a chorus, but there's a cool riff. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, I'm proud of it. So great, I can do this. And so that song kind of just became like a symbol of, like for me at least, like, oh, I can, I don't need it to write, you know. Well, that's got to be quite an accomplishment. I mean, I'm sure you still, maybe maybe if you need to hear it, I don't know, it's an accomplishment. You know, it's, it really is. Thanks. Yeah, it's been so, a long five years, but it's okay. It's okay. Well, what is, what's your, like, advice for others? Because, you know, the, the, the lifestyle of a rock star for, or the, the cliched version of a rock star is you're surrounded by, you know, this, this is not a 10 a.m. thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're on at 10, 11 p.m. and there's, there's alcohol, there's drugs, there's all sorts of other stuff. What's your, what, if anyone who's up and coming is listening, what sort of advice or counsel can you provide? Yeah. Um, so in my journey, I noticed that if I could go back and like tell myself, if I could go back, I would probably give myself guidelines that I have now. So now I guess to keep me from drinking and to also keep me on the right path, um, I have to just tell myself it's either that it's either drinking or it's music. And so just giving myself an ultimatum like that makes it makes the choice easier, I guess. Um, I don't know if that would help for everybody, but just for me, it like really just flips a switch, you know, it's like, Oh, well, that's just not something I can do. Like, and with perspective, like if I were to view that as, Oh, I can never have a drink for the rest of my life. Then, you know, that's how, that's how I used to view it. It's just, that's just a super toxic road to go down and it's, it'll destroy you. So I think somebody up and coming should give themselves guidelines and know that they cannot in this day and age have everything. They can't have the party lifestyle and the success because like back in the seventies and eighties, you could do whatever you wanted, but now like people don't put up with it and it's, you just have to be really focused and driven and if this is what you want, then you just can't have that other stuff in excess, you know, um, especially if it's an addiction. So. I find it really inspirational. I mean, to get up every day, you have to make a hard choice and you've made the choice about something you're extremely passionate about. So I'm just wondering, you know, where are you going? What, what are you envisioning for yourself? And you talked about, I, I think in a documentary I saw on you, you want to leave a legacy. What, what does that mean to you? 
Well, I think it just means that after I'm gone, like I left a mark on the world. You know, I wasn't just a person who lived and died. Like I had some kind of purpose. Um, and yeah, I think the main goal, like that's of course the main goal, but I just really want to play music every night to people. That's it, you know? Um, so whatever I got to do to do that, that's kind of where I'm trying to go. So, do, do you find, do you get joy out of like when people come up to you after shows or can you tell when you're up on stage playing that people are enjoying your music? I mean, I because can never tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume like you have your eyes closed and there's lights in your eyes. So, I mean, it, it just, music is so influential and, and I think your story is too. And you, you said something interesting there. You said you want to have a purpose. Is that purpose, you know, inspiring others through music? What is it? I think so. Um, yeah, there's, you know, the, I can't ever really tell if people are enjoying the shows, but then afterwards, you know, people will come up and say that they did enjoy it. And some people, you know, kind of open up to me about their sobriety and there's that connection there that I didn't really realize I craved. Um, so I think it is inspiring inspiring others and then just connecting with other people um yeah especially now like it's just you know people are craving connection so yeah yeah i was gonna say quarantine time it's probably a little harder to as a feeler yeah. to connect at the level that you want to you want to connect um how many of these uh virtual concerts are you are you doing those i'm assuming you're doing a few of those Doing a few, yeah. I'm doing one this Friday, actually, after our action chat. All right. Um, doing one tonight, like two songs for this like podcast. I forgot what it's called, but um, yeah, I should probably know that. I keep forgetting that I'm on a podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I think it. Oh, it's now hear this entertainment is it's going to be on their Instagram tonight. Cool. Uh, and then I think that's about it. Well, but, I think, I think, uh, I mean, you got to play here, right? We have to do a song here. You want me to do a song? Yeah, we have to do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like out of blues means it has sentimental value here, but what, what do you want to play? Man, you know, um, Man, I'll play that. Why Let's not? Do it. Let's play. Okay. It. Um, this, this is what we actually featured, right, in the Epiphone. Really? Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that was actually a question. Oh. Do we do we feature it? Is it? Do we feature? We featured this in, in the Epiphone work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We did. All right, cool. This is the first song you wrote, correct? Coming yeah. Out of rehab. Yeah. Does it? Does it have a actually? Like, sentimental value to you it does um is that a silly question no it's not because some songs are you know not as sentimental as others but i think this one even though it's not 
really about sobriety or rehab at all. It's just like the feeling of it and the vibe of it is like what I was feeling, if that mm. makes sense, you know? So. All right, I'm gonna mute my mic. All right, guys. Take it away. I hope it sounds okay. was awesome thanks i I hope it sounded all right it sounded great i feel like we did a disservice because i want to like pump a cloud responding like crowley responding to that because it deserved that it's like you play on the screen and then inside it's like you know i'm I'm going nuts because just it does your your music i feel you in your music i feel like you're you're moving people and uh you know I know you kind of kind of gave this personal ultimatum of love, you know, your love of music versus alcohol, one or the other, right? But if you if you had to if you had to do something else outside of music, like didn't have a choice, what would you be doing? 
man. Can't be in music. Can't, can it be in instruments? Nope. No. Okay. I've thought about this actually. If I didn't do music at all, I would really want to be an electrical engineer. I know that's weird, but I just love wire. Like I have just wires and like solder. I love soldering. I like to make my own microphones. I did not make this one, but um, I just love that shit. So, you know. Where did that come from? I mean, that's that's some curiosity right there. It seems like you might be a gearhead a little bit. Oh my God. If you could see what's around me right now, it's just all gear, all, all pedals. Um, man, you know, I feel like so much of this just comes back to wanting to stay sober. Like I, I didn't have a day job when I got out of rehab and I had to fill my time with something. And I was like, man, maybe I'll just dive into like, I've always just been curious about how stuff works. Like I'm going to take some stuff apart. Like I want to take amps apart and, um, figure out how this shit works. And so, yeah, I, I just started doing that and I, I ruined a record player, but I made a microphone out of it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that same mic has been on like my last few releases. So pretty proud of that. <laughs> that is not, yeah. No question. Yeah. Break, breaking shit to build other stuff, taking things apart. Is that the potential book title? Oh my God. That's good. Yeah. That's it. We're recording this, right? We, what are the residual split between the two of us on this title? Okay, you could take this it. Title, man, I'd go a hundo you zero. <laughs> no way, no way. <laughs> All right, now here comes the kicker. Let's okay. say, let's say it's a movie of your life. What's what's the movie called? Same same title and or different? And who plays you? Who plays me? Oh my god! No one said this was going to be an easy podcast. It's courage. Um. <laughs> I just, you, maybe, you, maybe, maybe it's called like this or that or something. Uh, or, uh, I mean, I like your title better. Let's go with your title. And then I feel like, I don't know, maybe Ellen Page. Hopefully somebody cooler than me would play nice. me. You know, I don't know. Oh, stop. <laughs> I like the Ellen Page call. Yeah. Who knows? You know. Maybe that she'll or, hear this. Maybe she'll hear this, and we'll we'll start working on that that movie. Let's do it. I'm in. Ryan, you want to take it out? Yeah, I'm just wondering if 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 you had advice for anyone, you know, kind of going through a similar similar situation that you went to. You know, you said if you could go back and talk to yourself, what what would you tell others? You know, how how did you? How'd you face that fear? How'd you get through it? Like what, what advice would you give? I would say to make sure that the people you surround yourself with, um, have your best interest in, in mind and genuinely want you to grow. Um, cause at first I didn't have that. And then once it's funny, cause once you get sober, the toxic stuff just kind of falls away naturally. Cause you realize like you're actually living in the, 
present and you realize what's in front of you. So um, I think just having, having good people around you and your family, if, if they're good to you, um, that's important. And to do it for yourself, you know, like if you need to get sober, like do it for yourself because if you don't, you're doing it for another person and it's not going to last. Um, so I think that's, that would be my advice. And then, you know, another thing is to kind of, um, I think something that helped me was I went on like my Gmail calendar and I put like every year, like one year sober next year, two years sober, three years sober. And I just like had that goal. I still have the goal and it's like, I just go as far into the future as I can, mm. you know? And so just to have that thing to look at that, that keeps me on track for sure. Honestly, I still, uh, obviously not this, mm -hmm. the same, but I um, like, I'll change the labels on my phone when my alarm goes off to see affirmations that I need to see for myself. So like every, cool. morning, every morning my alarm goes off, there's specific affirmations for me to remind me like what I'm doing on this planet or why am I, why do I care so much about this? And just, just by seeing it every day, you know, it, it helps me. So I, I love that. Like, I do think that there's a, there's too much tech, you know, in some places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think this is like, if I can control the tech where it helps me, why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. That's, a, that's cool. I never thought about doing that. That's cool. Well, that's what we're here for. You know, we, we got, we got yeah. a win, Ryan. We got one. <laughs> um, Emily, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. We're, we're like fans of you. We're fans of your music, whatever we can do to help we're in. And, um, oh, man. and uh, seriously, however, we, you know, you let us know when you're rolling through California because we'll pump that up too. That yeah, rules. Probably 20, Thanks. 2029 when the quarantine's lifted. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Any parting words? Parting words, man. One day at a time. You know, quarantine. Whatever you're going through, just take it one step at a time, you know. Good advice. Thanks, yeah. Emily Wolf. Appreciate Thanks it. for having me. Hey, where can uh, where should people go to find your magic? Um, I have a website. It's emilywolfmusic.com. And then I'm on Spotify with, you know, it's just my name. And yeah, it's pretty and much it. Awesome. And the next um, album you're working on, of course, is called? Oh, I don't know yet. <laughs> big, big H? Big H? <laughs> We're not there yet. Not there yet, but, you know, I'm going to be thinking about it. <laughs> I need to think about a title for this thing. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Emily. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Join us next week on the Courageous Podcast with the CEO of Zappos, Tony Shea. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us five stars, subscribe, and leave us a comment.